You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. And on today's show, we have a really good Friday show for you because we have a ton to talk about because... One of the things that's been going around social media, especially Chargers Twitter, is about picking you know a wide receiver potentially like Jalen Waddle with the 13th overall pick. So we'll talk about that and what the Chargers play-by-play guy has to say about it, Matt Money Smith. I mean, everybody has been talking about this. But before we get into all of that, though, first let me just welcome anyone in for the first time to the show today. We really appreciate you guys checking it out. And a special thank you to all of our loyal fans as well checking back in with us again and make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast from you can find the locked on chargers podcast but we have more than that to get into because daniel popper has gotten to the bottom of why the chargers offensive line has been bad for so long and he also brings up specific examples of when the chargers could have improved the offensive line in the draft instead of trying to find all of their pieces in free agency which is basically what they did this year so that's very interesting and then to wrap up the show today We have more fan mocks. I know you guys have loved the fan mock segment, and we have two more to get into, potentially three more to get into today. But the main ones we are going to be covering are new guys that we haven't got to talk about a lot, like Joe Tryon. We also have Boogie Basham that we're going to be talking about today, Paulson Adebo, and somebody that we really liked. Hamza Nazaruddin is really, really fun. Excited to talk about him, but let's go ahead and get into it. One of the things that has been going around Chargers social media and one of the picks that the Chargers have been making in recent mock drafts is Jalen Waddle and the Chargers picking a wide receiver, which obviously has caused some uproar throughout Chargers Twitter. And I necessarily wouldn't take a wide receiver, but let's get to why this really started, right? I mean, the Athletics' Dane Brugler picked Jalen Waddle for the Chargers in his latest mock draft. And people have just been talking about, you know, how the Chargers should definitely not take a wide receiver at the 13th pick. I mean, Bolt Beat came out with an article saying just as much. But let's start with the Athletics' Dame Brugler coming up with his mock draft, a seven-round mock draft, which you can find on The Athletic if you subscribe, which he has the Chargers taking Jalen Waddle with the first pick and then coming back around and getting Sam Cosme in the second round, which would be an ideal situation if you were going to wait on an offensive tackle on guys who could potentially be there in the second round. But, David, this was something we actually talked about before because, yes, the Chargers have much bigger needs than Jalen Waddle, but it'd be a hell of a lot of fun, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll say again, I mean, Jalen Waddle's like a video game character. I mean, just the way he is able to maneuver in space is ridiculous. His 0 to 100 is instantaneous. It just seems like he gets to top speed so fast, you just don't even know what to do. And that's what defenders like look when they're trying to guard him. They just don't know what to do or how to guard him properly. The guy is just, he's just incredible. I mean, would he be like exciting in this Chargers offense? Absolutely. Is there a, could he help this team without question? But I think this is really an instance where it has to be just 
best player available type of pick. Like all the other people that could help you at positions of need have are, have already been taken, and you're just simply taking the best player available at that slot. And in that mock, the top four, the big four, as we've been calling them, were all off of the board. The Panay Sewells and Rashawn Slaters and both of the top corners, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan the second. I mean, in that scenario, we've talked about the fact that it does feel like you're not getting great value by picking Christian Darisaw there. And I've warmed up to the idea because, I mean, there's a lot to like about Christian Darisaw. I mean, any first-round player, there's a lot of things to like. And with the length and athleticism, it seems like he fits what the Chargers are looking for. But this has been the argument, right, that's been going on throughout social media. And I thought it was funny because the Chargers play-by-play guy, Matt Money Smith, up in L.A. decided to chime in. He actually quote-tweeted a Bolt Bee article that said, if the Chargers' goal is to make an awful pick at 13, then wide receiver is the way to go. Matt Money Smith quote-tweeted that and said, not if one of them is the third, fifth, or seventh-ranked player on their board. Draft great players. It's not a hard concept to digest. Bolt Beat claps back and says, you can read the case for drafting a wide receiver in the article. We make it pretty easy to digest. I thought that was funny, this back and forth. And then Matt Money Smith replies to that and kind of, not mic drops, but I mean, definitely had an inch, <laughs> an aggressive thing to say back, I would say. And I don't think it was crazy, but he said, I did. It's horribly flawed. Wide receivers deep, draft for need, Telesco history. If Slater or Sewell or Horn or Sertan are at 13 and they're the highest rated guy on the board or close, take him. But if Darisaw is ranked 25th and Waddle is 5th, then there's no discussion. I think I agree with that. I mean, at least as far as taking the best player available. Like, the Chargers have put themselves in this situation, and we'll get into exactly how they got here in the next segment and how they could have kind of avoided this situation of needing to take one of those two giant holes they have right now at starting corner and at left tackle. But as far as that concept, David, I mean, I think that's how it would go. Like if the Chargers really have, you know, Jalen Waddle as their fifth best player. And I mean, considering his talents, it's not out of the question that they could have him rated very highly. And they're not as high on Christian Darisaw as, you know, some experts that we've seen out there have not been. Then I actually kind of agree with that concept. I mean, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the Chargers have a board out there they put that they've put together, like every other team does, of where these guy where they have these guys slotted and where they feel comfortable taking them. And you know, if Jalen Waddle is the guy that's highest on their board when they go up to pick and they are committed to making that pick, then of course, you know, you make that pick because they're all convicted to do so. But I mean, if that's not the case and you're just taking a wide receiver because you think it's a bigger need, then that would be a flawed philosophy. So as long as you're just going along with, you know, your board and having him being the highest available player left and you're taking him in that situation, then yeah, I mean, I can't fault the logic, but the logic has to be sound. Yeah, and I don't think they would ever take him there because it's a bigger need. I think it's always just, hey, this is such a supremely talented player that we can't pass up on him at 13 because, you know, he dropped eight slots lower than we would have had him if things were going based on our big board. But if it's close, you take the position of need. And that was kind of what Matt Money Smith's position on this was. I mean, if it is close, if you have Christian Derrissai as your 15th ranked player overall, and you have Jalen Waddle as your 11th ranked player overall, I think in that scenario, you still take Darisaw, right? Because it is a much bigger need. And I think that that just makes a lot more sense because, yeah, you can say best player available all you want, but 
it only works to a certain extent, right? And who knows if the next player available or the best player isn't a guy like Jalen Phillips or someone else, right? They could still go a different direction based on how they perceive this draft to be. But overall, yeah, you don't want to reach on somebody like Christian Derisaw if you think he's a borderline first-round talent. But if it's close, you take a tackle, you take a corner. Because guess what? The Chargers aren't going to draft, you know, oh, first-round left tackle, second-round corner, third-round safety. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily going to line up like that. Oh, That might be how it plays out, but they're usually not just getting guys only based on need. And if the Chargers draft history has told us anything, we know that that's not always how they do it. But I still think, yes. I mean, Christian Derrissaw, I would still take him at 13, even over Jalen Waddle, just because even with how talented he is, I still think that it's a big enough need and that Derrissaw is a good enough player to deserve to be picked there, even if you know trading back would be my number one priority. But that's not always an option. You still need two to tango there. But we do have two more segments to get into, and we're going to talk about why the Chargers are in this position to begin with and how the offensive line, by not building through the draft, has gotten to where it is by Daniel Popper before wrapping up the show by getting into some new prospects that we haven't got to talk about, like Hamza, Nazarildeen, and also Boogie Basham and Joe Tryon at the end of the show. But first, I need to tell you guys that this episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at a fair price. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or a simple beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and it's fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. I checked these out, and I was blown away by the Union Diamond Engagement Ring by Lola Fenhurst. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. This won't be around long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. All right, well, I want to get into another great article written by Chargers beat writer Daniel Popper. Before we get into that, if you guys like the show and you want a better way to kind of keep up with all sports, there's a way to do it with the Locked On Podcast Network, and the show is Locked On Today Hosted by Peter Bukowski, who covers everything going on basketball, NHL, MLB, and of course the NFL. And that's a great way to keep up with everything going on throughout the sports world. But let's get into this because once again, we're stealing one of Daniel Popper's article to talk about a really good subject here. And the article is, Chargers have ignored the offensive line in the NFL draft. Now they're scrambling to protect Justin Herbert. And yes, they are, right? Because they have a massive hole at left tackle right now. And we all know that the best thing for them to do is to be able to get one of the top offensive tackles with the 13th overall pick and to find a day one starting left tackle. But the point of this article, which you should subscribe to The Athletic and you guys should go read because there's a lot of examples we're not going to get into into specific examples where the Chargers had a chance to draft a great offensive lineman potentially and they ended up going with someone else. And we'll get into that. But let's just look at how we got there because one of the things that stood out to me was this sentiment right here. The Chargers are one of nine teams not to spend a first-round pick on an offensive lineman since 2014. Of those nine teams, six have spent at least two second-round picks on offensive linemen since 2014. 
The Chargers picked one. It was Forrest Lamp. The Chargers, Chiefs, Steelers are the only teams not to spend first rounders and to spend no first rounders and one or fewer second rounders on offensive line in that span. Woof. I mean, David, I mean, you look at those other two teams and Daniel Parker talks about it. Those two teams have good offensive lines for one way or another. A lot of that has to do with development as well. And that was the other part of this that Daniel Popper gets into is just not only that you haven't been able to draft good offensive linemen, the offensive linemen that you've taken in the second or third round, guys like Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp, didn't develop into good players for you, which is why right now your entire offensive line, none of those guys were drafted by Tom Telesco. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me just looking looking across the guys that they've picked. I mean, it seems like more often than not, Dan, the guys that they picked, you're like, where the hell did they find this guy? I mean, why why did they decide to take Trey, Pip- Trey Pipkins out of one a small school nobody had ever heard of? Or why did they go out and get like a, a Chris Watt? Or why do they go out and get this guy? Or the, I mean, there's so many different examples of them getting a bu- uh, just getting. It seems like just checking the box. Getting offensive linemen saying, up, oh, that's a guy we need, but never investing the right type of premium pick to get those guys, as evidenced by that stat you provided from Daniel Popper's article of them just not addressing offensive linemen in the first and second rounds. It's just they have not done it. And I think it's directly reflected in their inability to uh, separate themselves from the Chiefs and the Steelers because they can't develop anybody. The, all the guys they bring in, they don't get any any positive development from, and they all find themselves in different uniforms. That's why this year Tom Telesco goes out and gets proven, established talent and also gets coaches from places that have those track records of developing players and a track record of success in that department. The Chargers haven't been able to do it. They're hoping that Sean Serrett and other coaches are able to change that development and improve it here with the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, don't take a developmental tackle potentially, you know, to be your future starter if you don't have guys that are there and that can develop them, right? I mean, it's crazy to think about the fact that you could make the argument and a strong argument that Tom Telesco hasn't drafted a good offensive lineman yet. I mean, the only one that you can really point to and say that worked out, I think, is probably Sam Tevy, and he was one of the worst offensive tackles in the league when he was at right tackle. And last year had a really nice balance back year at left tackle and probably had his best season as a pro, which led Daniel Popper to kind of criticizing the Chargers for not bringing back him or Dan Feeney, even though both of those guys signed backup deals to go to the Jets and the Colts. And I think it's hard for me to imagine complaining about the Chargers not bringing back Dan Feeney just because you saw it over years that he wasn't the guy, right? That one I don't have a problem with. I do think, however, there was an argument to be made on behalf of Sam Tevy. I think that you could say, you know, Sam Tevy for what he did last year, for what he ended up signing with, at least if you have him on a one or two year deal, it doesn't feel so dire that you have to draft a left tackle with the 13th overall pick. And now it does feel that way, right? So yeah, I, think, I mean, I think he was at least competent last year, right? Which yep. was a, a huge surprise for everyone. I mean, who was just absolutely terrified to see him over at, on the left side, considering what he showed on the right side. But to his credit, he went out there and played fairly well. So to see him walk away, I think that's the one that hurt the most, right? I think that's the one that feels like a little bit that it, he got away. Which sounds like a ridiculous statement because we're talking about Sam Tevy. But at the same time, I mean, I thought it was a little surprising that people were kind of celebrating that he left, 
given the fact that he probably was their best starting offensive lineman last year that, you know, started the season at that position, which is crazy to say, because once again, we're talking about Sam Tevy. I mean, that's a pretty great resurgence by him, but still only netted him a one-year deal with the Colts. So it's not like the rest of the league was buying into what he did in 2020 either. But I want to look at the specific examples here where the Chargers could have drafted an offensive lineman instead of, you know, taking another guy and then trying to build it in free agency because because of building it in free agency, the average age of the starting four offensive linemen that they brought in, including Brian Bulaga, is over 30, right? I mean, you're not young on the offensive line, which is a big issue, especially going down the road. You have to draft guys. You have to develop them. So let's start with the Mike Williams pick. So obviously this one seems a little bit silly because if you could go back right now, you would take Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's the obvious pick, the only pick to take on seven. But had they tried to address the offensive line and protect Phillip Rivers instead of trying to get him a weapon, they could have taken Ryan Ramchick or Garrett Bowles. And Garrett Bowles had a great season last year. He had a couple more subpar seasons. But Ryan Ramchick, I mean, since the time he got to the Saints has been one of the best right tackles in the NFL. So that's a huge miss right there. He ends up going 32 and could have easily, you know, went seventh overall. So the Chargers weren't the only team to pass on him. But let's get into the next one here because the year the Chargers took Uchenna and Wosu is the same year they took Derwin James. And he made an argument for not taking Derwin James. I'm not going to go there because I still believe he could come back and, you know, obviously prove he was well worth the 17th overall pick. But when they took Uchenna and Wosu, they ended up deciding to pass on Brian O'Neill and also Orlando Brown Jr. As of now, those both look like they would have been better picks than the, what the Chargers have. And you could have still played Orlando Brown potentially at right tackle if he wasn't getting upset about it. And then the last one I want to get to here was last year the Chargers picked a Joe Reed. And especially given the role that he had for them to have a chance at a guy like Michael Nwainu who went to the Patriots in the sixth round, that would have been a huge improvement for the Chargers on their line last year, especially since it was a revolving door a little bit at right guard with Trey Turner's injury. So, David, these are plain black and white examples of where the Chargers had a chance to take someone. And this is an indictment on Mike Williams or Chen Wosu or even Joe Reed, right? This is just the Chargers had their priorities and they didn't prioritize the offensive line and they could have improved it. Yeah, I don't think it's an indictment on the players that they took. I think it's an indictment on the men who scouted the players that they did take and the ones that they missed out on. I think that's more of the statement that they're making here with this is the Chargers had many, many opportunities to go out there and get guys up and down the draft that could have helped them on the offensive line. But they did not evaluate these guys effectively, and thus they missed out on several guys that could have improved a unit that has been one of the worst in the last five to ten years. And it explains why it's been so consistently bad, too. I mean, not drafting guys and not not developing them because it could have been improved, you know, twice over since, since Tom Telesco has been the Chargers general manager, and it just has not been a priority. So I think Daniel Popper is absolutely right. I mean... You build good offensive lines through the draft. Almost every team in the NFL that has a good offensive line has homegrown players, so to speak, on that line and have developed them into really good players. So the Chargers really only have themselves to blame for the situation where instead of going you know, out and signing you know, a couple of nice defensive pieces and only needing one or two offensive linemen, they had to go sign three starting offensive linemen in free agency and are now still have a huge hole at left tackle because as Brandon Staley says, Trey Pickens isn't the guy. He's still developing. There is a hole at that position. Big enough for all of us to see 
even if you're not standing directly outside of SoFi Stadium. So it is their fault to that extent. Now you have a prize position at quarterback. You have to protect them, and now you can't really get around drafting them. They drafted zero offensive linemen last year. That's just absolutely insane given the product that was out on the field. But we do have one more segment to get into. I want to get into some really fun draft prospects that we haven't got to talk about, guys like Hamza, Nazaruldin, and also Joe Tryon. So we're going to get into those guys and your guys' mock drafts coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys about the best protein bar on the planet. And of course, I'm talking about Built Bars. And one thing I love about Built Bars is just not the fact that they all taste great, but that there's a diverse selection, a diverse menu of flavors to choose from. You guys could go with the champion coconut brownie chunk, but there's also other great flavors like caramel brownie who had a great run in the tournament. You have apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, so many great flavors, and they're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And they're good for you too. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you guys can do that while indulging in a delicious treat. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for the keto diet. And right now we can even save you guys some money because if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I also need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. Right now, I've been getting into baseball betting. That's what I've been using BetOnline.ag for, and they have a lot of fun bets to get into. But the other big one that I've been getting into is NFL future bets. And right now, there's some new ones out because you can bet on if Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire before the season, what team Alex Smith ends up on, who the offensive player of the year is, as well as just you know who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win each division, things like that. A ton of fun bets on BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust and the only place that we bet with. And right now, guys, you can even get some free money because if you go to the website or use your mobile device, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code On. That's promo code On, all caps, one word, for free money on your first deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, well, I want to continue to get into your mock drafts that you sent into us going through rounds one through three. So for most of them, they are three picks, right? Some have been little tradebacks and we're not going to use the one where you trade back and get, you know, 65 picks because that's just not likely and basically impossible. But if you're doing, you know, a trade that gets you one extra pick in the top three rounds, we're okay with it. And we've used a couple of those ones. But before we get into that, the biggest mock draft event of the year is coming soon because April 19th through the 26th, listen to the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockhamfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts, including us, for every team making trades and picking up the next stars for their team. Just search The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey is your home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. All right, well, let's get into some mock drafts here, and we have a couple that we'll get into for sure. We're probably going a little long today, so maybe we'll only get into two, but the great news is the next show we'll have is Mock Draft Monday, where we'll be able to get into some more, and I really like the ones where we get to talk about players that we haven't got to talk about that could make sense for the Chargers. So let's start with Kendall Larson's Mock Draft here, which has three players we haven't talked about, at least a lot about with this one, and that's Christian Derrissaw at 13. Joe Tryon, the edge rusher from Washington, 47th. With the 77th pick, they take Paulson Adebo, the corner out of Stanford. And then with the 97th overall pick, they end up getting Hamza Nazaruldin, the safety from Florida State. So 
a lot of guys to get in here, David. I think overall, I like this. I mean, Joe Tryon, we haven't talked about. He has some juice. There's some things he definitely has to work on, but I understand why the hype is surrounding him, but I also see why, you know, he's going anywhere from the second to the fourth round. There's a lot of polarizing takes on Tryon from Washington, but what did you think about these four guys? What did you think about this mock? Yeah, I mean, looking at this mock overall, I thought it was really solid. I think they definitely got players that could come in and make impacts um, at positions of need for the Chargers. I mean, they need edge help. They need corners. They need more DBs, as uh, you know, Brandon Staley puts it. So, I mean, overall, just a, just a first glance as a whole, I mean, I like the, I like the draft. And then when I get on the, and I put the tape on Daniel, I like it even more. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a different way to feel about some of these guys. I think me and you think differently about some of these guys. But for Joe Tryon, I mean, the biggest thing for him is just awareness of where the ball carrier is, not being super strong at the point of attack, and obviously keeping containment was a huge issue for him, whether, you know, he was just trying to get an inside spin move because he didn't have a counter on that particular play or whatever the case was. That was hard to watch at times, but that's also a super teachable thing. I'm higher than you are on Paul Sinadibo, the corner out of Stanford. And if you watch the UCF tape from this guy, you're not going to want to draft him. It's easily his worst game of his career at Stanford. But I liked a lot of the skills there. I mean, the closing skill. If you were to have him, you know, as a guy that's covering shorter zones that can break on balls in front of him. He had a ton of ball production while at Stanford. A ton of takeaways in the two seasons, really, that he ended up playing there before opting out of the 2019 season, Joe Tryon, out of the 2020 season, Joe Tryon was another guy that opted out as well, which makes it a little bit more difficult, but easily the most excited we got for any of these guys, David had to be Hamza Nazaruddin, which is what saves this mock draft for you. Cause I know you weren't as high on the other guys. I know I was messaging you before you watched them. Like, Hey, you're going to have some fun with this. I know that you did. I absolutely did, man. I mean, as soon as I put on the tape for the first couple minutes, I was like, man, I like this guy, this guy. And, and I, I, after watching all the tape I could find on him, I was like, yep, he's the favorite. He's my favorite. He's the favorite guy that I've covered in this draft class of any position that I have watched thus far. I just love everything that I watched. I mean, He's a very sure tackler. I mean, just at anywhere on the football field. If he's if he's tackling you, he's getting you on the ground. I, I, I feel like I'm, I trust him a lot as that last line of defense and he likes to do type it of too. defender. <laughs> and, yeah, he likes to do it, and, and he's good at it. He can impact the game as a blitzer. I, think he, I like his ability in the slot. I like his ability over the middle, and I like his ability in the deep part of, of the field as well. I think he's very versatile. He can play all over the field. And he's just that type of defender. He, I think I saw a lot of Derwin James in his tape. Maybe Derwin James light would be appropriate. I mean, I'm not saying he's as explosive as Derwin James is, but I mean, I saw a lot in there. And also the size, you got to love too. Six foot four, 220 pounds. I mean, this guy is just all over the football field. He comes in with reckless abandon, Daniel, but it's controlled. It just seems like this guy has a great football sense. He knows where he is on the football field, and he makes plays. He was really fun to watch. It was fun, too, because you got to see him doing a lot of different things. And this was a guy that wasn't as much on my radar, and now he's firmly planted you know, on my radar. And he comes with some injury concerns, right? He missed most of the 2020 season with a leg injury. Got to come back a little bit. But yeah, I mean, taking an injury-prone player, and I do that in air quotes because I don't necessarily think that means he's injury-prone. But yes, he has an injury history. But you're getting him here at 97, right? I mean, that's a chance I'm taking 10 out of 10 times 
on this guy because he is a true difference maker. I mean, you look at the Clemson game, he had like a one-footed, fully parallel interception while he's going out of bounds with a one-foot toe tap. I mean, this guy just makes plays. You've seen him blitz. He you know, did pretty well doing that. I mean, you've seen him cover. I do have some questions about him, you know, full-time on the back end, but there's just so many different ways you can use this guy in every place I saw him at, whether it was edge rusher or safety or corner or linebacker. I just, I had a lot of fun. And the one thing I liked the most, I think, is like, when a guy is stood up, you know, there's some guys that are kind of just be like, all right, the play's over. I mean, we saw it from the Chiefs two years ago. Damian Williams ends up running down the sideline for like an 85-yard touchdown because everyone thought the tackle was made. This guy is going to finish that tackle. He's going to try to, you know, get there. Whether or not he's even around the play or not, he's going full speed. He's taking that guy down. He's making sure he doesn't get any additional yardage. I saw him force a fumble on an effort play on the goal line. I mean, so many big plays I saw him make. You know, just from, you know, the four or five games that I've watched of him. I mean, it was just nonstop making plays. He was a really, really fun guy to watch. And definitely someone I think we'd both be on board with the Chargers taking, especially with their need for versatility and also their need for safety. Oh, just absolutely love that guy's tape. Super and the same exciting. player and the same player in every game that you watch, yeah. he brings that same production, that same energy and effort in every game. And I love it. Yeah, it was really fun. But we do have one more mock to get into. I do want to get into Nick Wilty's mock where he has the Chargers taking AVT Elijah Vera Tucker at 13. Something that we don't think is going to happen now, but obviously something we were in favor of. 47, you get Asante Samuel Jr. AVT's likely... Asante Samuel Jr., maybe not as much, but you never know how teams see these guys, right? They could take the physical profile of a guy like Eric Stokes before him just because he's so fast or whatever the case is, right? You don't know. But third round, you get Carlos Basham Jr., Boogie Basham, and you also get Tyler Shelvin with the 97th overall pick. So overall, I like this a lot. I mean, the one big sticking point I would have here was probably Tyler Shelvin because I like him. As a two-down run stuffer, but I don't know if I'm taking him 97th overall. I know you have the same contention. But I also know that the one guy you got to watch that you really hadn't from this was Boogie Basham Jr., the edge defender that you actually liked a lot. I did, yeah. I, I mean, the first thing that stood stood out to me for Boogie Basham was the effort. I think that he just has that relentless effort on rushes, and I think he sets a physical edge as well. He has the strength to break through double teams and fight through double teams, and he doesn't quit. Um, which I like. I think um, he tries to tackle in space, but he's not the most agile type <laughs> of guy. So he can be shook, um, and that's something that you know you have to really be cognizant of at the next level. Like know how to use this guy properly. If you got him going around the edge and setting the edge in the run game, then you know that should work well. But he, this is a guy that you don't really want tackling out in space. That's just not what he does well. But coming around the corner, I thought he had a couple of good pass rush moves, and he gets to the quarterback. I mean, the motor definitely helps Carlos Basham. Um, but overall, I liked what I saw. And if he's available at this pick, Daniel, I'm definitely happy with it. Yeah, and in this, I think you get your starting left tackle. I think you have a guy that could legitimately be a starter on the outside at Asante Samuel Jr. And you also have Boogie Basham, who isn't going to be your starting edge rusher, but can also line up inside, which we've seen him do. He can come off the edge. He gives you good insurance for a guy like Uchenna and Wosu, who is kind of in the Mike Williams dilemma, where if he goes off this year and goes for 12 and a half sacks, now you owe him, you know, $18 million per season, right? Are you going to pay that? off of that big one year of production. So this is a really nice draft. I think three guys at the top that I like, even Tyler Shelvin, I like, right? Maybe he can 
get you know some more pass rush moves or maybe they just you know think that they need that run stuffing ability that much but overall four needs checked off four guys that we like checked off right so hey that's one of the better ones we've seen nick so far both of these ones kendall arson nick wilty i liked both of these mocks of course i'm higher on joe tryon and paulson adebo than david is but two really solid mocks here which you know you can question the likelihood of some of the picks but i think overall it's pretty realistic i think most guys will be there i think really the only guy right here is asante samuel jr that you know has had the hype train go to where it has where you don't know if he'll be available at 47 but really liked both of these mocks and we will be getting into more mocks for you guys on mock draft monday and then on tuesday we'll be having the draft networks jordan reed who came on this exact podcast last year and told us not to freak out about the Chargers drafting Justin Herbert. And he was 100% right. So we're going to have him on for the second time next week to discuss all of the big prospects in the upcoming draft. And especially guys the Chargers should target. But until then, make sure to go follow us on all social media. You can find us at LockedOnLAC on Twitter. At LockedOnChargers on Instagram. And you can find our Facebook page LockedOnChargers on Facebook, obviously. If you guys don't already, make sure to follow the show on the new Odyssey app. You can also find us. And follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. That's always the fastest and easiest way to get the show with its daily format. We did a voicemail show this week. I'm sure we'll do a voicemail show next week. So if you guys want to get your voice on the show with your take, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But don't forget to come back next week, guys, and check in with us on Monday with some new prospects to break down and also for our Jordan Reed interview next week from the Draft Network. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.